Welcome to Happy Bear Podcast. We are delighted to have you. We genuinely are. What an honor. It really is. Thanks for your attention. On our podcast, we explore happiness, meaning, health, community, so many aspects of life so that you can get more out of this wonderful, crazy adventure that we call life. Yeah. And I guess ultimately we get so much joy from it and we have conversations with people who we really, really are inspired by and we really hope you get some value from it. So I'm Dave and I'm Steve. And I'm Sean. Hello, Sean. Hello, David. You haven't been on this podcast in a long time, Sean. No, I saw the attention Ralph was getting. <laughs> I used to be the youngest man on the podcast and then he came along. So if you don't know who Ralph is, Ralph is Sarah's little newborn son who happens to be yeah, one month old or six months old. Five, month, yeah, five months he's, old. He's globetrotting at the moment. Yeah, he's in Portugal. Mm. Lucky Ralph. Yeah, yeah. How are you guys? Asher Grant. Well, I guess excited about this one because we talk about all things mushrooms and fungi, which is an aspect which we're, we've been curious about for years. You're lit. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I feel slightly buzzed up, you know, the way. Yeah, we've had a, a string of very serious experts in their fields. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of listening. Yeah, yeah. Whereas today, the guy today is super fun. Like he's a really entertaining, he entertains school kids and uh, <laughs> takes people on fungi walks and just a really inspiring, passionate man. Yeah, I think he he has he tied for passion. Definitely, yeah, he is, I, I would, like he is like he, he is, is, he is a, brimming with it. He's a beautiful, shiny, lovely man. Like he really, mm. and he really described is. himself not as a not as a mycologist, but as a microphile. Which is a crazy word. You might go microphile, and it sounds weird. It's someone who's a real enthusiast about mushrooms, and it's he's a complete hobbyist, um, and really just has an incredible understanding and passion about fungi, about how they are entwined with every aspect. And mushrooms, of life. the fruiting body of the fungi. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Do you think there's enough passion and hobbies in the world? Oh, hobbies. Okay, this is a wonderful topic. So we were just discussing there about hobbies and going. Um, hobbies. It used to be a question that when we were in school, it was a question you asked someone, like when you were learning about French, there was a question, uh, qu'est-ce qu'ils sont ton hobbies? I can't remember exactly <laughs> how I said French, it. French, Dave, you really got bad French. <laughs> but uh, it was always like you were learning another language and the question would be, if you're meeting new people, you'd go, what are your hobbies? Whereas it's not a, qu- it's fallen out of the kind of English dialect over the last kind of 10 or 15 years. You don't typically ask people, so what are your hobbies? I, I ask people and maybe sometimes I ask them just to be a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, hobbies, they, like, I, when I think of what are my hobbies, I'd probably say they're running and jumping in the sea and reading books. And um, li- at the moment, it's listening to Harry Potter. We read and listen to a lot of Harry Potter. Carpentry? Car- oh, carpentry and building. See, that that change in your voice, that's a hobby. That's, oh Ho- my hobby, God. hobby, Hobby is like borderline pa- passion lunacy. plus enthusiasm plus spending time. Like, this, like, a, like what's the equation for a hobby? Because like reading a book is great. But are you passionate about Oh, like, just does, give does, me now a power tool. Like, you know, those days when you start the day by 9am, you've played with three t- power tools. It's like, oh <laughs> my God, the day can't get any better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a hobby, like you nearly put aside a time for it. Like, it's, it's hobby time. I, I got like two that I like running. I sunrise, sun, sun, running at sunrise. I've done it the last few Sundays with Joe and we get up just in the dark and we put on a head torch and start running up right ahead. And it's like, Joe runs quite quick, so I'm kind of at the edge. And he's the same. And we're both, you know, when you're just able to talk, but you're putting on a good show, teacher, that, yeah, this is no bother. And you're both at the same. Uh, But, and then the sun comes up and you're running back and like, you're running downhill and you're getting kind of quick and you feel like, oh my God, I feel like a stallion. It's Mm -hmm. great. And then the sun comes up. That's that's been a fun hobby the last few weeks. Nice. Yeah, mine's guitar. Guitar, nice. You have expensive guitar collection, Sean Cal. I do. If anyone asks, it's all half voice. 
<laughs> We've got a good deal on him. Yeah, I've been playing since I was 10. 10. So 20, 22 years. Nice. Hands. Hobbying. Favourite hobby. Oh, another hobby, which you're going to partake in. We're going to swim from Greystones to Bray and I'm excited to explore the finesse of learning. That's not a hobby. That's a mission. But it's a mission, but the mission will become a hobby through the process and it will be a slight infatuation for about three months and then it'll be gone and they'll be like, yep, yeah, I learned how to swim much better. I learned the subtleties of sea swimming. I learned how to put on a cold, manky wetsuit and get over myself and go out and swim and really enjoy it mm. yeah, at times when I didn't want it. Well, you get to read the tides and the swell. And yeah. What direction it's all going. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. about that one. Beautiful. So, beautiful yeah, it's good. yeah, the world needs more hobbies or even projects to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. Like that, a, that I, and I, I think a hobby, my understanding of a hobby, it's less about the ends in mind. Like, you know, the way so much of modern life is about the end result. Mm. We're so focused on the end results, whereas a hobby, it's about the process. You get lost in just the detail of making the puzzle. And obviously you get to the end where you've made the puzzle, but really you get lost in the process of really the love of something like playing music. You aren't playing music to complete the song. You're playing music for the sheer love of understanding this instrument. And I think that process is so applicable to happiness and joy, which I think everyone is seeking more of that in their life. And David the, the, Flynn. Woo! And the cheaper they are usually. The... Yeah, the cheaper. Uh, so that leads us on to today's podcast with Ali, the fun guy guy. And really, we, we, we talk about mushrooms and fungi and all the various aspects and how incredible they are. But what came out of the conversation was a topic about hobbies and a topic about happiness. There was lots of really incredible takeaways. And for anyone listening who kind of goes, mushrooms, I'm not into mushrooms. Fungi, fungi just mean like mold on the, on the wall or else athlete's foot. Mushrooms, I think this is a great starter of it. F without fungus, there's no forest. Without forest, there's no future. So mushrooms are as important as oxygen or fungi are. That's kind of just a slight appetizer to kind of provoke your interest. But this is fascinating. Stay tuned. We as a species need to learn and appreciate the depth, the importance, the brev the broadness. What's brevity? Brevity is shortness. Uh, I think it's like the profoundness, isn't it? Breath. breath. The breath. Yes, there we are. Breath. That was Lucy saying breath. Uh, the breath of uh, mushrooms or fungi and uh, their, so their without capacity. So without further ado, we give you Ali, the fungi guy. Woo! And I guess mushrooms is something we've, like we started a vegetable shop 20 years ago. So mushrooms have been, you know, slowly over the years, we've got more and more interest in them. And I guess I admire deeply what you do as a mycologist, a budding mycologist. And maybe maybe we could start it off with, okay. So, But, but even what if is, you think about the shop, because we started like in the shop, just how mushrooms have even evolved in in relation to our world when we started the fruit and veg shop we only sold button mushrooms and occasionally flat cap mushrooms people would buy at the weekend which is the same species just one allowed to grow further than ever now it's gone yep. to where we have oyster we have shiitake we have pink oyster we have seps there's like there's a huge greater variety and there's something that we use so much in our cooking as just this wonderful carrier for flavour and this wonderful meaty texture and, 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 and my question was it was to kick it off is okay so fungi and mushrooms what's the difference? Okay. Oh, there's a really good answer to this. Let me see if I can get it into my mouth. Okay. So all all mushrooms are fungi, but not all fungi are mushrooms. Ooh. So, are you ready? Right? Yeah. So let yeah. me think if I've got this for you. So a mushroom is a type of fungus, but also a coral is a type of fungus. Or cordyceps, which is something I can imagine is on the tip of your tongues today. Cordyceps is a kind of fungus. Balls, smuts, rusts, crusts are all type of fungi. But the mushrooms is the one that we think of most, and they're all a type of fungus. So fungi, a big umbrella, if you imagine it, and underneath are all these different spin-offs. So a bit like maybe like dogs, and then you've got chihuahuas and labradors and all the other different species. 
they're all fungi, and mushrooms is just one type of fungus. Well, like is that it? Am I correct in saying this, that mushroom is the fruiting body of the fungi? Yeah, yeah, that's a really, it's a really important note as well for a lot of people because understandably nature and the observation of fungi and anything in the natural world where you might be seen to take something from that, people can get upset. Quite understandably, we want to tread lightly, I'll certainly, that's my perspective on things. But it is just a fruiting body. It's it's rather like the apple on a tree. It is the fruit. Taking the apple off a tree to eat it has no detriment to that tree itself. And this is the same. For anyone that didn't know, the fungus, whether it be a mushroom or a, a, a coral-like shape or a club, like I mentioned, or a ball, whatever this shape of fungus it takes, that is just the fruiting body, the reprodu reproductive part of the fungus organism. The actual body of it, the main body, is underground or in the bark or in the tree, whenever the substrate is, the thing that, that holds the fungus. And most of its life, it spends looking like these white threads. Imagine like cotton wool all, all, all kind of spun out and, and and like pulled out like a big ball of string all tangled up. That's that, the and that's, my, thread. Yeah, that's or that that's what we we interviewed a, a professor of ecology and he talked about the wood wide web. Oh, and, I uh, and I guess that was how trees talk together via the this this cotton wool which you're talking about this mycelium and mycorrhizal that these are means of communicating and pan transferring vitamins and minerals but they're in fact a fungus. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. That is fungus. And look, without them, this is this is the big, you know, the heavy stuff. But without it, we wouldn't be here. Um, it, over ninety percent of everything, everything, almost everything living, all that is green. One guy, one guy once told me, beautiful fella, depends on fungus. So your 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 garden right now is teeming with fungi. You might not ever see a mushroom in it because it might not have a fruity body. It might not be that tight. But underground, all plants, nearly all plant life, nearly every tree is connected in some form or other underground to a mycorrhizal network or to, to a fungus, which helps it, they work together, like you say, a symbiotic relationship to help them to grow. And of course, without plants, then there is no humans because it's a, a, an, an edibility thing, of course, and a, a sustenance. And the, and the big one, no fungi, this is what someone else, no fungi, no forests, no forests, no future. They Ooh. underpin everything that, that is our life, really, in terms of what is green and living. See, see, that's an amazing, like, it's such an amazing linkage there that no fungi, no forest, no future. And that's such a beautiful way to think about it. Yet, when, when, I, when you say the word fungus, which is probably some derivative of a fungi, people go, oh, fungus, oh, geez, that's toxic, that's awful. You know, the association is that it's negative and that it's going to do something harm. Like, and even fungi, like, obviously to you, it makes you um, excited and you get all, you know, your heart rate increases and you get... You know, you palpitation. Yes, fungi. Woohoo! You get excited. But when most people hear the word fungi, they oh, like it's it doesn't necessarily conjure up words of wonder and curiosity in nature. It's typically oh wow, well that's got molds and other things, and maybe it's not good for me. You know. Hey, well look, this is like anything in life, isn't it? It's 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 a knowledge thing. A knowledge is power, and so and and, and lots of other things are intrigue. But if you don't know, then that's what well, that's all the ignorance is. It's just not knowing, isn't it? So, I, you know, that's all I try and do, just spread the world of, word of just what an amazing thing it is to have fungi in your life. I mean, really, you know, whether it's the medicinal values, the edibility, the, mag the magical, the names, the shapes, the smells, the colours, the accessibility to have fungi in your life in whatever form that takes, and I don't really care. For me, it's all sorts of bits and pieces. It, 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 it's a shame this for you fellas, actually, I'm sorry, because you might have to do another podcast after this. Because I'm just the the quality of life. I imagine improves for you if you get fungi in your lives. I reckon by thirty six percent. 
So there might not be a need to tell anyone anything else to make them improve their lives because I've nailed it. Room <laughs> going to your lives. And you'll be happy percent Guaranteed. Go, Money back well, guaranteed. The data is not definite, but I reckon it's around that figure. That's yeah, gas. there will still be avenues of pleasure, and it's a hobby for life. And we, I'm sure you would have looked at the value of hobbies and interests. I don't know if you have or not, but you know that's massive in itself. There are so many avenues, and I'm, I'm so happy to shout about them because once people know, they can interact with them in all these different ways. Like I said, and and the value that can bring to your life. I mean, I am just as you know, and as you've seen, I'm just I'm just in awe of them, and I love how much. There is a day go by where I don't think of fungus in one way or other, which could obviously make me a dweeb and a nerd as well. I totally get that. Well, it's all for the good, guys. It's all for the <laughs> I, I was just reading that the biggest uh, fungus, the biggest organism on the planet is a mushroom, a fungus uh, over in Oregon, which is 2,200 acres. It's this massive fungus that lives under the ground and it's a living organism and has lived for, I don't know, who knows exactly how long. Yeah. But it's the biggest organism, living organism on the planet and it's a fungi. Well, yeah, and this is a, this is a good example. So the, this is mushrooms as we know them. So this is the honey mushroom, and you would have probably seen it in the, as as in, for what it's worth it is an edible mushroom too. Gives some people a little bit of a gastric upset. It's a very common mushroom, and it's a parasite. We can maybe come to that later if you want to know about its role in nature, because it's usually very unwelcome in people's gardens. Oh no, I've got honey mushrooms, and that's what that is. What they realised is there's a honey mushroom cluster on this tree here in this forest, and actually in that forest way over there. There's honey mushrooms and they're connected underground by that mycorrhizal network. It has spread out over hundreds to thousands of years and it's actually all one mass of fungus underground with fruiting bodies here, 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 over there. So that's how it's one thing. That's how it works. Wow, it's amazing. Like it really is fascinating. And even even just to... Uh, no, I was just going to talk about... Like I, I loved the way you talk about a hobby. Recently I was chatting with someone and I asked... Um, I, I was interviewing someone about a job and I was asking them, what are your hobbies? You know the way, and, and maybe it's a, a generational thing and maybe it was misunderstood. But the answer was, I like to take it easy and watch Netflix. That was the hobby that was said. And I was like, oh, wow. How can we cultivate as a society more of these niche hobbies? Like being a microphile, someone who is just totally and utterly fascinated with fungus and their fruiting body. And I think, and the appreciation of the intricacy of life, because it seems like fungi is as important as oxygen. It's such a vital part of this ecosystem ecosystem of life. It is, obviously so, like I said, um, for lots of reasons. So, you know, just fundamentally, just on the basics, because this is, you just mentioned all those equivalents of oxygen. Well, we would choke without fungi as well, and I'll tell you why. So they do all fungi fruit bodies, mainly speaking, generally speaking, do one of three things. So whether it's one of these balls I've talked about, a puff ball or a crust or, a, like I said, a mushroom over there, they're all doing one of three things, okay? The three roles for fungi, if you walk into the woods and see them, are either the friend, the recycler, or the killer. So the friend being these mycorrhizal ones that actually work with a tree. There are certain fungi, mushrooms, if you see them in the ground when you walk out, whether it be on the, uh, a, a, the lawn in your home, a grass verge on the way to the local bus station, or in the woods. There are some mushrooms that can only be there because it's actually living in partnership with that tree. So you mentioned, did you mention sets? Do you guys sell sets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pushing it. That's one. It cannot be cultivated, and still yet we have not found a way because that relationship is so intricate with certain trees. It grows with often birch, beech, pine, and oak. They're its four favorite trees to grow with. And the, and that mycorrhizal, that symbiosis means that they look after each other. The way, because they can't, they can't photosynthesize. Just a little fact for people is that 
they are more closely related to animals than they are plants. A plant can photosynthesize, create its own food, a mushroom cannot. So actually we're closer because we both digest what our surroundings, we do it internally, they do it externally, the fungus. Sorry, I'm going off on tangents. Oh, no, no, this is amazing. How do they do it externally? This is this is a five hour podcast. Is that right? Is this the Absolutely. one? Absolutely, we get lost. Uh, sorry, yeah, it's it's so those thread like structures that mycorrhizae we've talked about, they 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 release they essentially absorbing the nutrients from the outsides of them into the filaments, and that's how it ends up swelling and becoming the mushroom, the fruiting body. But that's how it's living and, and feeding. So the three roles you've got the Frenchy ones, and Porcini is one of those sets, as you might know it, Belita sedulis. Um, and so whenever you see that, you can look up and think, ah, what tree are you growing with? I know there must be an oak tree or a beech tree nearby. Um, so you've got the friend, you've got the recycler, and this is where I come to the choking part. If we did not have fungi recycling all detritus, all dead organic material, we would just drown and choke in our own uh, uh, organic material. So every animal that dies, every tree that falls, twig, branch, leaf, needs to be recycled because where else does it go we would know it traditionally is rotting but if a, if a tree falls over it would stay there till the end of time it is fungi that take hold and various types of fungi some come in for the hardwood at the start then the next wave will come in they'll look after the softwood until you've got nothing but soil they are what do we call it soil magicians they are agents of decay and without them bringing that back down and replacing and keeping that cycle of nutrients and making very very valuable soils Again, they're valuable to the plants in themselves. I heard a lovely uh, expression there that mushrooms are one of the only species that can take death and turn it into life. And that like an oak absolutely. tree, an oak tree is a more broader ecosystem when dead than alive. That when it's dead, it harbors much more biodiversity than when it's actually alive. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't know that. And that's yeah. interesting because I know that oak is considered the number one tree for life as well, isn't it? There are more things exist within the, the, the realms of an oak tree whilst it's living. So that he gives even more. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> I didn't know that myself. And I then like you mentioned that. the third one. You mentioned, so the first one was the friend. The second one was the, the, the recycler. recycler so sacrifi- sacrotrophs. That's the one that recycles. They grow off trees like a shiitake or whatever or a, or a yeah, turkey Yeah, so tail. that's recycling that log. So if you see mushrooms traditionally growing out of a, a dead log in the in, in the ground in the woods or a tree stump especially, and they can have lots of different shapes. There are some mushrooms that grow on logs and shiitake is one of them. We don't have them growing wild in this country. Um, so you have to you have to um, uh, cultivate those. Uh, but lots of lots of recyclers look like uh, these little shells and we call them bracket fungi. These beautiful like seashells in layers and layers that you see or something called chicken of the woods, a big bright yellow thing. Oh yeah, I've seen them. They're all, because trees are made of, there's two of the hardest substances in nature, which are cellulose and lignin, and their job, we're one of the only organic substances that can break those things down and, and then uh, release the nutrients back into the ground. So yeah, we've done the two of those, and the third job that some uh, fungi killer. are doing, the killers, yes, the parasites. And they're the ones that will, uh, what a parasite does, of course, is uh, move onto a host and, and, and slowly kill it for its nutrients, usually for its food source. Uh, and source of life and uh, and that's example there's some mushrooms that grow on tree like ivy ivy is not a mushroom it's not a fungus but when ivy takes over a tree it slowly chokes out the nutrients and absorbs it and I guess that's a parasite so I'd imagine funguses parasitic funguses do a similar type thing that they'll grow slowly over a tree for example and over time they'll kill it is that right? Yeah yeah and they have different some come in and are very severe the honey fungus is quite a quick turnaround to my knowledge 
uh, and it will it can kill a tree quickly. Some are very slow, uh, make a very slow impact. Uh, and some are necessary. And of course, here's an interesting thing: some parasites are necessary. Some of our our, our parasites on trees because they actually rot the hardwood. And and it was a, um, a scientist years ago, a mycologist, that realised that's what gives the trees flexibility in the wind as it ages. If that heartwood stayed in this huge enormous tree, it would go over easily. So it's all it's all with purpose, isn't it? You know, nature. It's all with purpose, which is incredible. And um, so yeah, you've got parasites on trees, parasites on plants, and parasites sometimes on uh, animals such as cordyceps, oh, which yeah, is this yeah. thing that people are talking a lot about. It's in, um, that, it's in that famous kind of, I guess, TV series. No, and also the famous TV series at the moment. What's it called? Something of Us. Or like the Last of Us. The Last of Us, yes. yes yeah, and it. I've not watched it yet. I no, thought if, if, if you drill me on that, I'll have to be apologetic because no. I know that's really on everybody's... Like, can these cordyceps take over us? They're a fascinating fungus. I believe that you guys, don't you guys have a bit of cordyceps? Yeah, yeah, yeah we drink it all the time. Yeah, I love it. Mm, yeah. Also, also known um, as the zombie fungus, isn't it? Or that's what some people call it. Yeah, because um, famously on uh, one of David Attenborough's programs, once he, he, he looked at one that takes over a living host. So these are the cruelest in, in, in terms of nature and the way we think of things. Takes over the, the, the body of an ant. And it forces this ant to a place within the canopy of the Amazon, to a place it would never, ever go. It takes it up to its absolute highest point, and it does this by taking over. Well, I've, I've been doing a bit of reading about it recently. They thought it was mind control, which is why the zombie fungus forcing it to do something it doesn't wish. But actually, I think it might even be the the, the joints of its limbs to make its legs move in that fashion. So, I mean, how you begin to work those things out, I don't know. But essentially, it forces that ant to the higher most point of the canopy, whereupon it then forces its jaws down to bite down on the leaf so it can't move, and then it will uh, internally just completely digest, take over, and take all the nutrients out of its body. That's the food source. That's the parasitical part. And then to be able to reproduce, like all living organisms do, it then sends its fruiting body. In this case, not a mushroom, but a like a, an antler almost, a spike poof, comes bursting out of his head, whereupon it releases its seeds, known in the mushroom world as spores, and they blow off. And why, why is that more successful? Because it's the highest point. So it's 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 chances of, of um, reproducing, of course, and the distance it can cover is far greater. An incredible mechanism. So yeah, that for example, in the Amazon, we have the equivalent here in England, uh, a couple of different types, but Cordyceps militaris, the Scarlet Caterpillar Club. And it's a marvellous thing. I did a little video, actually, if you wanted to see what it looks really like. Really cool. Yeah, but it sends this, it, send, it essentially parasitizes caterpillars, we think forces them underground, but that's where I did my research. So I wanted to make sure I was accurate with this. I try and make models to teach the kids that I work with in the workshops that I lead. And I try not to just blag it. I try and have some elements of truth about it. And we're still unsure because lots of caterpillars pupate underground anyway. But one way or the other, it takes over the body of this. It will then eat it from the insides out and then again, send up this fruiting body. So as opposed to being up in the canopy, you just see this little orange matchstick poking out the grass. And, uh, and that's what you guys will be drinking. I think it'd be Militaris. I would imagine that's the most commonly, um, uh, uh, what's the word, grown, um, yeah, created one, because you can make that. You don't need caterpillars as its substrate to grow on. You and how would, cultivate. They, how would they cultivate that? Like, do they have like a whole stream of caterpillars that they're taking over? How, how would you recreate that environment or that system well, in a controlled manner so you can reproduce it regularly? Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And so, no, it's it's quite achievable. I, I keep an eye on a group called um, Mushroom Growers UK, and there are, there are many groups dedicated to trying to grow fungi in your own homes. And I've done it 
relatively successfully on a very small scale. Um, but basically, it's all about the substrate. And in this case, you can do it on rice. And I think it's rice bran, and it's kind of in a, a nutrient broth. So actually, it's not growing out of caterpillars. It's growing out of rice. And you wow. get these incredible images of like platefuls of just like 100 you know, um, uh, fruiting bodies, these beautiful orange sticks. Lots of it like uh, um, Lego fire. Just this whole plate, <laughs> this plate of these orange sticks and, um, and harvesting some incredible medicinal compounds, as you guys will know. But maybe why do you take it? And what, 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 what's your thoughts process on it? I like the taste of it. Like I'm a big believer in mushrooms. I really am a big believer in fungus and medicinal mushrooms. I think they have so much benefits to them. And I actually like the taste of the cordyceps. Like for some reason, really? I feel more drawn to it. Um, and it's believed to have lots of nutrients which are very beneficial for your lung capacity and your yeah, energy yeah. levels and all these type of things. And I find I actually really do enjoy that and I enjoy chaga. And um, some of the other ones as well, like Lion's Mane, I just did a Lion's Mane one there. But um, I, I guess it's, it's amazing to think that these, uh, and the interesting thing was I remember years ago we ended up meeting, there was a superfood guy, his name was David Wolf, and he used to write about all these incredible superfoods. And I remember meeting him one time about 10 years ago and I met him some randomly in this place in Miami. I had never been in Miami and somehow bumped into this guy and had a conversation with him about Ireland. What new, what superfoods exist in Ireland? And back before medicinal mushrooms got really fancy, he was telling me all about chaga mushroom. And, yeah. and lo and behold, a few years later, you know, people, you were able to buy teas of it. But when you see it grown in a tree, like it's a massive, big, weird looking thing that you go... <laughs> It, it doesn't like superfoods you, you think as expensive things which you buy in a shop and they're really good for you but when you see a big chunk of chaga it's like a, a, a block of coal growing in a yeah. tree and you're going how the heck did people find out this was good for us A and yes. B it's kind of goes what the like it's just really interesting yeah that, that first question is the big one isn't it who did this who thought <laughs> I'm going to explore what that is and I'm going to do various things to it which are quite tricky to harness what might or might not be good for me and this is it. We owe so much to our ancestors. And and I mean, I'm sure dietary-wise across the board, well, certainly fungally, because for every... I don't know if I've ever thought this through, but if for every fungus I've eaten... And I don't, I'm not a massive one, by the way. It's not a big part of my agenda at the edibility. But for every fungus that anyone's ever eaten... They, oh, I'm trying to think if someone's had to die in order to find... You know what I mean? People have died for every... every Deadable, edibles and deadables, as they're sometimes known, and that's a big deal, you know. Someone, someone's took that risk, or, or maybe through you know, having, having having no option, I suppose, very sadly, and just trying to find a food source. Is there blanket rules, even on that one, in terms of deadly mushrooms? So you've got deadly fungi, you've got edibles, and uh, everything in between. I'm just wondering, is there any kind of blanket rule, particularly Ireland and the UK, Northern Europe? Are there any blanket rules in terms of identifying edibles, like? Obviously, there's going to be irregular verbs or irregulars to every kind of regular equation because you can't really generalise. But is is but just, it typically just Dave's gently asking? Will you please generalise here, Ali? Yeah, yeah. So, like, is it the gills? Is it the is it the bodies? Is it the little caps? Is it the I don't know what what? No. So, for those who can't see, I'm shaking my head. I'm very sorry. I'm so sorry to say it's the million dollar question, isn't it? I get asked two questions when I lead walks and workshops and talks and stuff. And is the first one is, what is it? And two, can I eat it? You know, those were just fascinated as humans by that, putting a name on something and then finding out if we can go in our bodies, can, what can I get from that? And I'm <laughs> wonderful, great conversation to have. The very bottom line to answer your question is, no, there is no hard and fast rule about any of it. And there are rumours about if it turns blue or if you boil, boil it for half an hour. Or, I mean, not that that won't reduce the risk for some fungi. If it turns a silver spoon, a different colour, when tarnished in the boiling water, there's, there's, 
if it grows on logs but it's yellow or if it goes orange, but there is just no hard and fast rule. It is one of those um, hobbies that you just have to learn. You have to spend time around someone who knows. There's a lot you can learn from the internet, there's no doubt, and that's a wonderful resource to have. But I would always, for anyone who is interested genuinely on knowing more about edibility, go on a fungal walk with someone who really knows the stuff. Because to, it's one thing to see in a book and then to go out. There are, oh, the overlaps in fungi can drive you crazy. I look, These are the nuances that I love. But, you know, you can have two things that look, I mean, superficially identical. Yet one will give you terrible mouth and bum sick. And the other one's absolutely delicious and tastes like aniseed and almonds. And they look superficially identical. So you need to be out with someone and then they will show you the tricks. They will be able to, and you'll be able to smell it. And you'll, for me, I'm a very visual learner, maybe, and sensory. So I would, I, I learned from going out with a mentor who taught me for years. I would pay to go on his workshops. And it was anchoring all those things, the smell, the touch, the taste, seeing the tree, gauging everything about it. And those are things you can't always get from books to the internet. You can go a long way, don't get me wrong, and wonderful social media groups who could be supportive. But do not put anything in your mouth unless you are 100% certain. I mean 100%. If there's any seed of doubt, it's not worth it. Psychosomatically, you can have some real nervous tummies of a nighttime just worrying about what you've put in your body. Very so wise. no hard pass rule, I'm afraid. There are a couple of very safe mushrooms, I will say, that you wouldn't have much fun with. Um, you know, giant puffball. Have you heard of that one, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah the incredible you know, looking. And thing. very few things catch it early though, and it could look like something that might do you some damage. But if you've got this whopping great big football sized thing, I that saw looks you having like a video great. helping the spores go around kicking it around. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's just give it a little helping on. Listen, I'll be honest. You know, the big kid in me just wanted to boot a big spongy thing and watch it. In fact, look at this, guys. Look, I've got it here. Look. Wow. And, and and obviously this makes terrible listening because I'm about to show you something, but here's all the spores. Oof, oof. There you go. There's a few hundred thousand for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a puff ball, which can often grow in woods, and that when you do kick it or something bangs against it, it releases hundreds of thousands of spores, which are like seeds, which means they're going to plant and reproduce. Yes, I've just got to open a window because actually it's not great to inhale hundreds of thousands of spores. So I'm just going to have to pop it on it right now. I'm just going to open this window next to me. Because there is something called lycopernodotis, which is like a, a lung, an infection from, from too much pure direct inhalation of uh, spores. Outdoors is where I'd usually be hammering those things. Sorry, what was your question then? I, can, so, I, can I go on? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, the stoned ape theory, the idea that part of human evolution, I don't know if there's much truth to it, but I remember watching a cool a after school one. video. I think it was Paul Stamets or else it was Joe Rogan and Paul Stamets talking about it. And the, yeah, the, it I, thing, yeah. the idea that part, a possible idea of human evolution came as a result of mushrooms. I wonder if we could talk about that and get your tuppence on this. And judging by Stone your body language there, I reckon you're not so into it. But anyway, out of curiosity, can you explain what it is and, and what are your thoughts around it? And, and honestly, my genuine answer is I don't really know. I've watched the documentaries to try and open that up a little bit. But it obviously just doesn't take... I'm trying to make peace with myself for not knowing more about certain elements of fungi, especially as someone who, who gets asked to talk about it or might get brought, brought to a podcast like this. It sounds like you're making an excuse, but like I said, you know, I deserve some peace in the sense I can't do all things. I mean, there are so many avenues of mycology to explore. And, and medicinal would be one. Uh, magic mushrooms, the power of, of, you know, psilocybin and just, I mean, there are documentaries dedicated to that. There are mycologists who just study dung fungi, fungi that just grow on poo. You know, there are some avenues. And what I do is kind of skirt across the surface. 
like some superficial fungi. I love it. I just, I just dip into, oh, well, a little bit of that. And then I love that. And I love the smells of that. And then a little bit about that habitat. I'm not a massive deep diver. And, and for whatever reason, where I'm up to, it just doesn't hit home for me that yet. So I've not explored it. You know, I'm just saying that there is all these avenues that I've, I've put, taken a few steps down, which gives me quite a good breadth of knowledge. But one big thing, if you were going to deep dive me, I'm not so good at, and, and this is one of those theories. Maybe you can enlighten us a little well, bit well, more. The, the, the general idea was that back when we were apes, or more like apes, we stumbled across psilocybin mushrooms or some form of similar mushroom. We consumed it. It helped change our neural pathways, helped us to grow more of a prefrontal cortex and more of a higher functioning brain. And that it was linked through that and maybe the consumption of various other foods that were high in omega-3 fatty acids that helped create more brain tissues, which helped us evolve from being apes to being more um, human. human That's the general general concept anyway. Well, you tell you what, you did it better than I would have delivered it. Uh, And do you know what? That sounds to me quite plausible. I've heard it before, like I said. It, It sounds plausible from all that I hear about the impact and what it can do for your mind and well-being the uh, um, uh, the bringing in of psilocybin in whatever particular dosage and whatnot to your mind and your your body. So it's not beyond reason for me um, that that would be plausible. Postametz is an incredible, you know, an incredible mycologist known over the world round and done some amazing, truly groundbreaking things with fungi. So it, and he's a very clever chap too. I know there's some some arguments. Some people aren't so fond of some of his uh, you know theories. And that might come with the terrain, I suppose, that if you just make some big statements and do some big things. Um, but but yeah, it, it certainly sounds plausible, is what I would say. Some of that. And what are, what are your thoughts on, like, obviously, magic mushrooms? They're, psilocybin is one of the main one in the UK and Ireland, and I guess there's loads of different types of them. And I guess now there's lots of documentaries on them, particularly in Fantastic Fungi, which was that incredible documentary. And the first half is kind of like a nature program where it really just shows the incredibleness of, of fungi and how they can yeah. help kind of deal with radiation and waste and, you know, so many different aspects. And then it kind of, the, the latter half, it branches off into medicinal psychedelic mushrooms and how they can help various different, me- how they have possibly helped in various different mental issues. And I just wondered, what are your thoughts in terms of that or in terms Listen, of... Listen, I'll, I'll, I honestly probably know no more than you guys do, but just purely by watching bits of documentaries and obviously being, you know, I'm in a bit of an echo chamber, you know, we're all in different ones, our minds kind of the fungal world. So I hear lots of tidbits of this, that and the other. And again, I, you know, it would appear, I've, I've never tried magic mushrooms. And I think they came with negative connotations, just that losing your head and being a bit of a space cadet or whatever. Well, I, I think we're at a point here, aren't we now, where there's no doubt that there can be value in this if done the right way with the right mindset and the right conditions and, and, and the likes. So I don't know if I like to say this out loud because it is illegal to pick them. You know, it's, it's completely illegal to pick a magic. So I'm just for the record, I may or may not have had come across them and have some dried in a little box. I may or may not not sure about that. But when the day arrives, or I'm in the right place at the right time, and I've got three hours on my hands, <laughs> I may look forward to exploring that um, in, in all the right conditions. I'd, I'd want to it all to be done correctly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I am fascinated by it. But again, not something that I've gone to. It'll come, I think, in time. I think I'm going to be, certainly maybe after my first experience, if I was to have one, I, I can imagine it being really enriching. And I think I, I really, I really, um, yeah, I think it's be a very exciting time. But as a busy dad, a busy, like we all are busy with this, that and the other, 
finding that uh, a selfish amount of time just to say, I'm just going off doing something really unusual for a bit. Can you just forget about me for the rest of the afternoon and the evening? Because, and I'll see you in the morning. I'm not sure. I've just found that little slot. That, that's the real life answer the, to it, I suppose. The, the, the main type of psilocybin that grows in the UK and Ireland is the Liberty Cap, isn't it? Which is the one yeah. that looks like a nipple. Just I remember when we were at school, it was always great fascination. You just look for the ones with the nipples, lads. Yeah, that's the one to go for. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, well, but then again, you see, that's not an absolute, you know, no, someone who's been out there, again, experience. We all know about the value of experience. Someone who's out there and done it a lot, been picking on their abs and knees for years, you know, trust them. If you're going off a book and, and you've got a mate says, yeah, that, that's it. I'm sure my mate's always looks like, you know, you can end up eating all sorts of bits of things that grow on dung in a very similar habitat. Um, so, yeah, that's that's roughly it. We do have another one, something called wavy caps. There might be more. Like I said, it's not a big part of my agenda. Something called wavy caps, these ones that stain blue, that grow on wood chip. And I found my first ones this year. In fact, I didn't. A child passed me one, and I've been identifying the whole workshop. I went, hey, what's this? And I went, oh, not sure. Just put that down on there for me for now, would you? <laughs> and they'll realise when I went back afterwards, this is whole thing that would be jumped upon by the uh, the psychedelic community if you knew they were growing there in a, a, a very popular garden garden kind of tourist spot <laughs> just on the wood <laughs> by the side of the pub. this kid waving it at me and I'm like, oh, it's the first time I know what that is by that blue stain in the way it's turning blue, bruisy blue on your fingers and on the, uh, not on your fingers, the kid was fine uh, um, on, on the fungus itself. That's yeah. gas, that's really interesting. Well, one thing I'd love to qu- just chat about briefly is truffles. Truffles is one of the most prized foods, um, at least in Italy and typically, uh, you know, I remember a friend brought one back recently from Italy. Her mother had found it and we ate it. And it was just like, it has this just really strong umami flavor, a flavor that you seldom get. And it's so pungent, so overpowering. And I saw a wonderful video with this really lively, entertaining character training his dog. That This is you, by the way, Alex. Uh, training his dog to go sniff, or trying to train his dog to go sniff truffles. And it ended up you and your friend Jasper sticking your nose in the ground, digging truffles. And I didn't know truffles actually grew in the earth and you actually have to pick them up. Uh, I wonder if we could talk about truffles and uh, your adventure harvesting them. Yeah, listen, I'm, 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 I feel like a right free. You, you, you're asking me all the questions that really highlight me as a fraud here. I just, I'm like a free rider. I just get friendly with the people who know stuff and I go along for the adventure, learn a little bit, like I said, and come away and say, hey, look at what I did. Um, but hopefully without taking all the credit. Yeah, so it's Jesper's dog. He's the mentor that I would, first told me I had our first ever mushroom. He's been teaching this for many, many years. He's a person I think you should put on your radar. He's a herbalist. Now, he's been teaching himself fungi since he was a child. And so he's done it pre-internet. So his, you know, that 10,000 hours to be an expert, this is this is the league we're talking about. You know, if there's a mushroom, he's almost certainly met it. And he's met it many times. And the nuances are the, the various stages. His ID is like no one else, no other field mycologist that I know in the country. But because he's a herbalist, he knows all the ins and outs of all the plants that are good for us. So I think he might be on your radar and should be because he will answer your questions. You want a deep dive. He's your man. Yes, the Lord is spelt with a J. So I went on that many of his courses that I couldn't afford to go anymore. But I needed to know more about mushrooms. Very fortunately, we became friends. So now he's like a best friend. So I get to tap him whenever we go out together. And I went to visit him yeah, a couple of summers ago and this summer just gone. And he'd been training his dog. It was his dog he'd been training with a bit of truffle oil on a tissue, uh, you know, as a pup. Yeah, getting used to that smell, rewarding when you find the tissue hidden in the front room. Then you take it outside and you hide it around the grass and around under a stone. And that's what a little clip you saw there in that video that's on Instagram. 
Uh, and then when we get to actually a communal law, so there is, is another little um, uh, myth is that you think you have to be in a particular woodland. They are growing all around us with the correct trees, so they're mycorrhizal too. They can only grow with certain trees. So he knows the big oak tree that's on a communal lawn in the little village where he lives down south. And it wasn't because his dog one day suddenly got a whiff of the smell. It, it's all these, there's various other clues with truffle hunting. I mean, obviously, your dogs will go straight to the job for you because their sense of smell is phenomenal, isn't it? But he's looking for other clues as a human that can help us access truffles. And it's dig holes from squirrels. So if you see this perfectly groomed lawn with these little holes in, under, especially oak trees because of the acorns, it's like, are they digging for acorns, burying them, or are they digging for something else? And he will just excavate and, 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 and have a look in these holes. And if you just, you know, not too far, put your finger in, suddenly you come across something hard, dig it out, it might just be a truffle. And that's actually exactly what happened. I had my kids, we went to visit. The dog was too hot and bothered, just lay down, but he knew he'd found truffles the year before. We started sniffing these little holes. I really had a viral on me. Before you know it, I've dug up one of the most expensive fungi in the world with a viral on a communal lawn with, you know, ladies of the village passing by with a lot of wondering what on earth we're doing on our hands and knees. And yeah, and that's really exciting. So truffles, you mentioned the smell as well and the taste. It's a really interesting thing because you can't describe it, can you? For me, it's a petrolly gassy thing, which, and almost like a cream sweet corn smell, a fresh one when you cut it open. Heady, umami, yeah, um... It's a, it's a unique smell, and uh, I, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. Um, and yeah, so truffles, the pursuit of, a little bit like the, the whole of this hobby, the more difficult it is to pursue a particular specific fungus, and then the reward for finding it, like any treasure on, is enormous, and that's what gets people really giddy with truffles. Um, so yeah, we have a couple of specialists in this country who can help you train your dogs, um, and, and, and even by Zoom, apparently, and then get you out there, hopefully, looking for truffles. You have to have the right kind of land and soil type, it's usually calciferous, kind of chalky soils, um, usually. Is, is that uh, part of the fascination with mushrooms? Is that it's a bit like, as a kid, we used to read those books, Where's Wally? And we had a great time trying to find Wally and trying to find the various different bits on the books. You know the books that I'm talking about? Your kids oh, might yeah, have played with. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that kind of the, the fascination with mushrooms? It's like, it's a like can I go find Cordyceps today? Can I, go, I wonder, can I go find Seps? Can I go find In the Wild? Is that part of the allure of... Um, being a microfile or someone that just loves mushrooms, it's the fascination of finding, learning more about them. Listen, it's it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And 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 that is what's wonderful. So so it's a two-part thing because, yes, you can go out with purpose. Something, actually, I rarely do, and I might come to that because I've got uh, – oh, no, I will. I'll come back to it. But, yeah, essentially, go out. And what I do really – no, well, I'll go straight to it. Forgive me, but I'm going to go straight <laughs> to the point. I think there's, there's a danger for me. If you have something very specific on your mind and you go out for it and you don't find that, then you can come home disappointed, can't you? So it might be a cordyceps, knowing that you're in the right environment, you've done your research, you've been out on a course a year before, you learn about where you might find it, or even on that course and you go back to identical spot, it's not there. If you come home a little bit disappointed, I think that's a real shame because you should never come home sad from a walk in the woods and walk outdoors. That's how I really feel about that. So for me, it's lower your expectations. Maybe I do that in life. And then, you know, whatever comes, it's like, oh, man, what a winner. I found it. So just have it on your radar. So, yeah, being in certain spaces where cordyceps, I have it in mind, and I try not to announce it if I've got a group because, again, I'll, oh, and you'll, you'll hear the other, look, we might be in cordyceps country. It's a dangerous game because that might be all that's on their mind, then, isn't it? And, of course, what, what level of disappointment if we just don't find it? I'd rather just gamble it up that we do, and then we go, yeah, look what's come up now. I knew it might, and then I'll, and then I'll let them in on the secret. They knew all along there was a good chance. So uh, that's why I would say, generally speaking, 
lower your expectations when you go out and just enjoy a natural space. Of course, as we know how valuable they are anyway. Um, and if you really get your eye for fungi, you will find fungi regardless. And if you're happy to find anything, which is how generally I feel about and really do about fungi, it, then then it's happy days because I'm, you know, what a little victory it is in my day. I might just be a walk to the bus station because I walk to the local bus station before I catch the tram to school where I work. And I might just see something popping in the lawn of the dentist. You know, I'm talking about a city centre here, but the, the lawn has a beech tree and I found the most beautiful blue staining belief one day. It's like, no way. Just because I knew to look under that beach, just a glance, that's all it is. A little black and oh, and you're in. It's so accessible. <laughs> Fungi are so accessible that your daily walk, your garden, the local park, and I really, really, and, and that's what, you know, I'm going to do a picture. I didn't plan for this. I'll do the picture. Why should I fuck This is life? great. And they are so accessible. You know, it needs no resources and no money. Just the health to be able to get outside and walk to, to find some. Yes, there are certain spots that are better than others. It would be marvellous to have an ancient woodland on my doorstep. And I have one not so far away. But I found amazing things in a scratchy bit of edge of a football pitch over the road from me. I found amazing things on the Leisure Centre car park lawn. I'll always look there during pre and prime season because amazing things pop up on the lawn of a leisure centre. Do you know what I mean? So once your eyes are open, once you turn that radar up and you start to understand the trees especially, to be looking under, you can find fungi right throughout autumn, all year round to some extent. It's a quiet period now. And that 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 it can that little little victories there, guys. That little whoa, look what I found today. I put a skip in my step and I'm happy. So every, the point being, back to what you said, yes, every day is a treasure hunt. Yes, it is a hunt to go find fungi. And if something pops up that's rare while you're at it, all the better. Giddy, giddy time. I think what I wish for anyone listening is the passion to see you talk about mushrooms is like watching the brightest eyed six-year-old going... Santa, Santa! Like your your joy and jubilance and absolute adoration is palpable, and you can just see it from every figment of your face. Like it's just amazing. I, th- I think there were two brilliant philosophies there, approaches towards life that I think you said there. One was kind of lower your expectation because we we spoke with an, another kind of very interesting character, and he talked about how happiness is when expectation is lower than reality. And I think that's a key to enjoying life is that if your expectation is low and you have a better experience than your expectation, you come back on, whoa, it was amazing. And I think that's a huge takeaway for me. And I think the other one, the more we can learn to learn to appreciate the simple little things that surround us. I remember speaking to another guy and he talked about how over the course of his life, the one mile radius of his home, he's never going to fully explore it and understand it all. And that's one mile from his home. Like we're so busy wanting to go to, I want to go to to do Peru, I want to go do Romania. Whereas it's like, let's look in our backyard. Let's look in the, the lawn of a leisure centre, as you said. Let's explore the, you know, during the seasons that change. Like when you talk about um, kind of being a microphile or someone that loves mushrooms, it's like a bird spotter. It's someone that just, th- their lens is slightly attuned to some one particular thing. And as a result, they appreciate it. There's magic and marvel in it. I think there's so many different layers of that as we live our life. Oh, the, the totally is. Listen, well, hey, we, we've touched on Really, without saying the word, I think mindfulness, haven't we? There, yeah, and 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 I'm sure you would have explored that, but the, the value in being mindful, I think that's something I've been working on. And I say actively working because some things I let just try and trickle in and have a little dabble just to see if it brings me, you know, I'll be honest, I'm in the pursuit of happiness. It's really interesting you guys have, have found me, so thank you very much because 
as a result, I found you. I didn't know you before, but I'm fascinated by your content and I'm really looking forward to delving in and being so much happier by listening to all your podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed at what you've covered and who you've spoken to. Um, so, so yeah, but, but to the point that mindfulness is something I'm actively trying to look at to, and I really do feel the difference when I'm mindful. I've tried lots of things. I do a bit of yoga and you don't need to hear this because you'll spoke to many people about what, what's the secret and what things really do make a difference. I would say mindfulness. And so here's the thing, but in whatever context and capacity that is, whether it's where I'm about to shout at my kids and I catch myself being angry. And if you look back at yourself, you're like, well, I can't, I can't be angry now that I'm looking at myself being angry. You know, it's when you lose control. If you take that step to observe it, whatever it is, so that's on a very deep level. Excuse me, sorry, that wasn't mushrooms. No, well, deep grave. To fungi, okay, listen, it covers the five pillars of well-being. It absolutely nails them. And that's why I really genuinely, I know I can't make you ever love mushrooms. I really think I'd have a good chance if you came out with me. I really think you'd have a good chance of just, you know, making a bit of a difference. I see some people's eyes glaze over who choose not to ask you about it when I tell them if I'm walking past them in the woods. Um, or just the fact, obviously, I could look like a creepy weirdo. <laughs> but the five pillars, yeah, you'll know these about well-being. But one, learn a new skill. Every year, I learn new things about fungi. Okay, and I'm sure there are some so hobbies. No, no, and and, and what well, I'm, I'm trying not to. No, actually, no, I am trying to compare. Aren't I? I'm trying to make fungi so better than other hobbies. Listen, let's say it's modern railways, and you meet your chat, you 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 your group, and you make together, or you just do it in the sorby house. If you've got a purpose, fantastic. But but there is learning to be had constantly every year with fungi that I will meet. I mean, this is itself so amazing. I will meet a new fungus every year and then some till the day I die. I will never not find new fungi every year. How exciting a prospect is that? How amazing truly is that? You know, I'm sure that uh, they'll be probably the same for birds and butterflies. I'm always talking about nature, maybe airplane shows, whatever you're into, train spotting. Maybe it's the same thing, but you've got these things that just stay on your list. And I will find them by accident. I won't purposely go out. They will find me. And it's a lovely day when it arrives as well. So there's that. So there's the learning new skills I'm learning. Being mindful is one of the pillars of well-being. And in itself, oh, you've got me here. What, what, what's being mindful? You're using your senses. Fungi demand you use four of your five senses. So we've got smell. The smells are incredible, guys. I don't know if you know much about this. I've got a little competition for you, mate, if you want to play a game. Got smells, taste, touch, sight. All these things are required of us to be able to pin down what particular mushroom is. The last one is is sound, of course, which isn't a really, in, in theory, no, okay, you're a mushroom grower. I'd like to pretend you could. I, I liked your video on the sound of mushroom part one and part two. Excellent. Great oh, content. Yeah. Great. Hilarious. I don't know if you know where that came from at all. No. Um, well, basically, there's a guy plugging in mushrooms at the moment. You can plug in. Have you heard of Merlin Sheldrake? Yeah. 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 Okay. So big, big name in the micro world. Uh, I'm packing some intelligence and wonderful with his words and his understanding. He's just done the first ever kind of bestseller about fungi and its importance. You know, a New York Times bestseller about fungi. Those two don't go hand in hand. And he's made it possible. He plugged in mush, uh, He plugged in a book inoculated with oyster mushrooms. And then it, 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 basically it's not making a sound of mushroom, the fungus itself, but the biorhythms, can, the pulses of them can be converted into cell waves with a synthesizer and make a beat or a sounds and these weird hippie trippy sounds he then got his brother Cosmo Sheldrake to, to compose this piano piece to the sound of his own mushrooms quite incredible be, be eating his own book I should say as well just as a bit of a joy so you can basically <laughs> plug in mushroom 
There is a guy going around who's took it to another level. He's got this great big synthesizer setup, and he plugs them in, and you hear all this, and everyone's going bonkers for it. And all I could see, <laughs> all I could see was either it's a, a bit of a Mickey take, and they're really singing like that, you know, making these noises. All I could see was a spoof of parody. So I thought, what what would certain mushrooms sound like if you could hear them talking or singing if you plug them in? So I've got, I've plugged in tons of mushrooms. I'm just waiting. Uh, to, to, to for my friend who's the guy, the genius behind the musician music, to help record these songs with me. So yeah, I've got I've, I've plugged in a couple of songs. In fact, I tend him in, and he thought it was hilarious, which was nice of it. Um, oh, uh, I did I did such a thing. Yeah, plugging in mushrooms just for just for jokes. Mine's just all spoof. It's all just for fun because that's the only way. Fun. It is fun. It is fun. Uh, okay, another thing I'd love to like. Uh, one thing which is amazing is that I really think you're a gateway to to making people much more aware of this world because fungi like literally over the last number of years they've become much more mainstream but they're still super niche and most people are scared of mushrooms and they're like fungi they've bad associations so I think what you're doing even as chefs mushrooms are binary you like them or you hate them they're yeah. not something that you go, mm, I don't mind mushrooms. Whereas I think what you're doing as a mycologist is so important because you're just educating people about them and you're really inspiring people to explore, as you said, this hobby, which is so, it's been part of human evolution, really, in every aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I think I just think there's so much to them. And why would you, like you say, it's just either mould or it's button mushrooms. You know, I thought it's been really presumptuous and generalising. And, and until you know, you don't know, do you? Um, and so, yeah, they're amazing. And like I said, there are so many avenues of pleasure to be found that just on a little walk, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> for all that it brings me joy, it pains all my friendship groups. My wife, my kids, they are fed up that whatever walk we take, I am, oh, hey, wait, 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 where's dad? And they'll look round and I've just got my head down, you know, I'll be at Chester Zoo. <laughs> and they'll say, dad, look what that orangutan's doing now. And they'll turn around because I'm not responding. I've got my head in the wood chip at the zoo. <laughs> it's just going in the wood chip. You know, it, it infiltrates, it permeates so many layers because I cannot see a habitat. That, that's how accessible fungi are. I cannot see a habitat. about something growing there. And all it takes is a peek. And if not, no worries. I'll go back to the orangutans. But if there's something there, like, get in. I poke my head in that bush, under that wood chip, open, and there it is. I knew something might grow there. And those little, again, those victories, that use of your knowledge, that habit, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. The, the, all these all this feedback you get that makes us feel great about ourselves. So, yeah, they're just, and again, people don't believe you at first, but if I was trying to sell them even more, like I mentioned the smells then, are you aware of any of the smells of fungi? Was, Not really, no. No, and, and okay. even one other thing on fungi is that in our microbiome, which is a collection of our bacteria, yeast, archaea, viruses, and fungi, we are more host than we are human. If you compare the amount of DNA of human cells that we that each of us have versus the compare comparison of microorganisms. We have significantly more microorganisms on us as humans than we do human DNA. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it brilliant? <laughs> I, I wish I'd have been recording that because I might try to pass that off as my own next time. Because these sounds very good. <laughs> you know, we we are fungi. Like you say, we are fungi, and I mean, I literally am part mushroom i feel like these days because it just yeah like i say it's an all-consuming thing but the, in terms of engagement if i was talking to your average layman and when i'm mad it's not often i'll speak to just a stranger they'll usually approach me if i'm just you know woodland walk or just wherever you know, on aggressive urge and they'll look at me funny and i'll just ex- i feel like i also explain myself you know an unusual behavior at the end of the day at the side of a, a pavement can look a bit odd from some <laughs> and, I'll, and i'll say 
did you know what this and I'll, I'll soon gauge whether or not they care whatever whatsoever but more you know eight times out of ten they're quite interested but smells engine oil watermelon uh curry uh coconut sun cream these are all sincere genuine smells and so when you pick that mushroom if you're not sure to try and work out its identification and you start exploring that and bang straight away it can come through you know that moment where you share that with a group it's it's just magic you, you can't believe i won't know what something is sometimes I'll just not really know, and then the smart. I'm, oh, oh, it's that is it? I want to realise, um, and and yeah, that that's just another source. You of get pleasure. mushrooms that smell of petrol or curry or coconut. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The coconut milk cap. See, there's some. The, you know, I, you know, I guess you have you guys been partial to a glass of wine over the years. You know, still years ago, years ago, years ago. Yeah, yeah we haven't okay. drank for so a good while. A glass yeah. of wine, and you you were very familiar, I'm sure, with people doing the taste and saying, mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Case. Kiwi wind and whatever, all sorts of whatever the, <laughs> the weird little smells are. Then you sit there going, "Oh, I just got. I think I got. I think I got peach or whatever." You know, it's a bit like that. People don't believe it first. What what I've learned to do is pass that mush around and let everyone tell me what they think they get. Because if I put it in their brains, it's there already. And then I'll announce what I think, and it can range. One 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 year I got it from one one mushroom or webcap or cortinarius. I passed it around, and from one end of the semicircle to the other, you know, like a dozen people. It went from banana milkshakes, it ranged from banana milkshake to meat and potato pie. <laughs> and here's the thing, because because it's so subjective and we're so influenced by each other, none of us was wrong. It's like, yeah, I do get that. I get it. I get it. And then I announced what it actually is. Everyone was, oh, yeah, it's that, it? And then we go around again and have a smell. And what was it? So, it was yeah. coconut. It was... Yeah, and, and the coconut milk cap is, is just like sun cream. It's absolutely banging with coconuts. It's a common one that grows under birch. So I love that moment because that's a good interactive one to pass around. Coconut curry, like I said, engine oil. It's a real thing, engine oil, wax cap. Um, watermelon, a young dryad saddle, smells of watermelon. Cucumber, a big one is uh, sperm. Really common smell in certain fungi. And that's, that is an entertaining one to pass around. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do people ever guess if that smells of sperm? Well, well, this is it. I, that's definitely what I don't say. And I pass around and I'm just looking. I'm looking for the gauge. What, what kind of a crowd have I got here? What can I say? What can I not? Because I'll say the word farinaceous, um, uh, semen of the non nautical kind, as Jesper used to say. Spermatic, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the re- um, there's, there's one called the millet. So there's this deadly poisonous mushroom, the fool's funnel, but it has a, a, a lookalike that's a really good edible. And it grows in association often with porcini, the seps we talked about, called the millet the miller because of milled flour so in the books they won't always put spermatic just because maybe because it's a bit crude or rude they'll put farinaceous or mealy so it's that that milled flour that doughy smell so that's the one that generally gets nodded at and then i'll, I'll take it up that notch and actually say and the miller is the king for smelling really spermatic um, so <laughs> wow that, and, that's one for you. and what are your top three or four favorite mushrooms if you had to name four? I know it's really difficult. It's a bit like saying what's your favorite child, but I, I you know. But even even four which you particularly enjoy and at the moment that you're very curious about. Oh, it's like that's out of distance. It's really, you do know what? I asked, I asked some mycologists this, I interviewed them and they gave me the right answer, which was any, all mushrooms are beautiful. Any mushroom in its perfect state it's just the most beautiful thing to find. So that would be the diplomatic answer. The truth is, I love beliefs, which are these ones that have a sponge underneath rather than the gills, like you might get in a typical shop bought mushroom with flaps that are underneath the cap. So anything that has this sponge, the beliefs are the seps that we spoke of there, porcini, uh, it's often known as or penny bones, is the common name in England. Um, I love the beliefs because they're, they're chunky, homely shapes, these big bulbous things, they're mycorrhizal, 
and uh, they're just and they, some of them turn bright blue when you cut through them within seconds. There's some wonderful videos on Instagram of them turning this incredible bright blue color. But you can have the mainly safe to eat, although that, like I said, that's not actually the main reason I enjoy finding them. They're just really good in shape, color, texture, and you can. Ah, here's another thing: lots of different genus, which are types. Uh, so you've got, for instance, the Belites, the Webcaps, the Milkcaps, the Brittle Gills. These are all different types. These are all different genus. Within that, lots of species, again, lots of types of Belites, lots of types of Webcaps. It, some of them are almost impossible to pin down without going to a microscope and looking at the size of the spore and the shape. This one, because I'm more of a field mycologist, I won't even use the word mycologist, by the way. I would say I'm a mycophile, which means just a lover of mushrooms. A mycologist, I think, is really solute scientifically maybe even delivering papers on this stuff. Uh, but, I, but I appreciate the compliment. But the beliefs you can just about pin down. No matter what, with a good book, you can get there at the end if, with what you've got. Some are dead dead easy, I should say. But there's there's about maybe 70-odd different types in, in this country, in the UK, um, and you can just about pin down what most of them are if you find it out in the field, which is quite satisfying. It's rubbish going on, not knowing what half the things are that you found sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, I love the beliefs. I love... I love cordyceps because it's just a, a fascinating find because you can dig up that little orange antler that we talked about the one, and, and dig up and find and retrieve the caterpillar that's still wow. underground there. And do you, and do, you, do you find cordyceps quite regularly? Yeah, because of the habitat I'm in. I've got micro friends that never find it and I just happen to, you know, one of the things, maybe it's a little bit of fortune, but again, it's the number of hours, you know, it's a numbers game. If you're out in the right spaces, often enough, you'll end up probably seeing them. Um, it's often shares a space, <laughs> funnily enough. So people who know Liberty Cats and those yeah. magic mushrooms, they've probably come across it because they seem to share the space. I tried to find out what moth it must be that shares this open space here. Um, and I think it might be something called the large yellow underwing um, because I can find them, I can find dozens you know, you might not find one for six years, but I could find dozens at a time in certain um, unimproved grasslands where wax caps and, and your your magic mushrooms can grow and also cordyceps. But I find them in the woods as well sometimes and cemeteries. Cemeteries seems to be a popular one as well. Um, wow, and the I've death. Got quite, the Hence the name zombie. There could be the fact that they're zombie, you know, really? zombies. Oh, and oh. You know what? I don't think I've done that. I need to do that next time I find one. <laughs> yeah, that I is. I've been in the graveyard this year. I need to do that. And, yeah, when, you, and, and when you find them, <laughs> when you find them, do you dry them and make them into tea or what do you do with the cordyceps? Or do you just cook them down and eat them? Generally speaking, I actually just leave them where they are um, because unless I'm, it's a teaching tool. For me, I, I, lo I love to share things and that intrigue and that hands-on and I'll, I'll dig it up for, for to, to share for it to have, you'd have to find a lot, um, and then I feel like I'm taking away part of the food cycle. You know, you don't—they're not a massively common fungus to find, and I feel like I'm interfering if I take a lot of something. So I think to have much of an impact in terms of a tea, I'd rather buy them um, that are cultivated because you really need quite a few fruit bodies, I think, to yeah, actually have yeah, a bit good, of impact. Good responsibility. So I generally leave them where they are these days. But if I've got anyone near me or anyone willing to listen to what I'm about to dig out with a viral or a spoon or a knife. So check this out, and then hopefully I'll reveal that that caterpillar because that the little excavation again. Selena excavated, aren't you? What's going on? The sense of anticipation. It's like, you know, oh, it's just great. It's great. Very yeah. cool. And then the the concept, not the concept, but mushrooms are one of the few species that can actually recycle uh, oil or plastic. I wonder, do you know much about that or any of the fascinating around that? Or even urine, even nuclear waste. Isn't that what they found up in Chernobyl, that it was only fungi were able to yeah, come and actually recycle some of the yeah. waste? 
Yeah, yeah, that's not been. I don't think that's been introduced. I think that's a fungus that's found its way, found its fuel, its uh, food source. So essentially, I think what we're saying is, you know, almost anything is a could be a substrate, a food source for fungi. And it isn't that fortunate that, that, that there is, or also unfortunate if it happens to be uh, a sweaty foot, like athlete's foot, because that's a fungus. <laughs> you know, that's an unwelcome one, all mold on your trees in your fridge. Um, but but you know, whether it's like I said, sticks, twigs, feathers. Um, sheep's horns. There is a specific fungus that will break down the uh, keratin in sheep's horns because what else can do that? So there is a fungus for all these things, and it's been found that yes, Paul Stamets, the, the, the mycologist we mentioned already, he did uh, three piles. Um, what's it called? We do something very specific scientifically. Three uh, trials. Piles. Uh, sorry, trials. Yeah, I guess it was a trial, wasn't it? And he he poured one set of wood chips and he uh and he, he, he threw oil all over and crude oil over all three this is roughly speaking as i remember it and then he tried to clear up one set of wood chips that were contaminated with oil with uh typical solvents that might be used uh, in real life to clear up spills he did another one in another tri- uh, trial maybe organically in some way and maybe that was actually just left to see what would happen if nature could do it with solar cord with the the wood chip and the last set was his test one, and he impregnated it, uh, inoculated it with uh, oyster mushrooms. And he threw tarps over them and left them for maybe a month or so, pulled back, and sure enough, the oily one where the, the chemicals ran in, it, it worked to some extent, more is on its own, was just a big sludgy mess. But the oyster mushrooms had almost entirely, I think, cleaned up the oil. They had turned, I think it's they turned the, the uh, carbohydrates into edible sugars. So on top of that, they're actually edible, the mushrooms, even once they've absorbed the soil, which is a phenomenal thing. But then he left it. And the extra part of the story is that like two, three months later, we're back to this pile because it had done its bit. And now it was actually a new um, micro habitat for all these various things because birds were feeding on, on the, uh, things were feeding on the mushrooms, insects and larva, birds were feeding on the larva. Then you've got poop and seeds and then plants. And it became this new ecosystem on, on a patch of wood chip that just had oyster mushrooms choosing to grow on. So not only have you cleaned the oil up, we also introduced this new kind of, uh, like I say, this ecosystem, miniature ecosystem. So they have incredible potential. Um, yeah, quite quite remarkable stuff. Jeez, you have an incredible knowledge. You really do. I love mushrooms and fungi. <laughs> Sorry, I love fungi. <laughs> I, I love mushrooms. I love fungi. Yeah, and that, but this is it. It's all little bits of tidbits of knowledge, just enough to be able to answer that. I'm not, I'm not a deep diver thing. I'm just pound for pound, but I think my, my, my good bit is just walking out and pretty much being able to say what something is within reason, mainly speaking. That's that's kind of, I'm not so good at all. Some of, well, some Alex, of you're wonderful. You've totally enlightened, enlivened, inspired me and my curiosity of fungi. Fungi really is probably the more appropriate answer. I'm really pleased to hear it. I'm sorry yeah. to say it's at a time, I don't know when this would go out, but right now we're in, what are we in? Are we February or March? We're February, February, February 21st. Yeah, so this is the lull. So there are very few fruiting bodies of fungi. There are fungi around, but they're few and far between. We're just getting something called scarlet elf cups, if you've ever seen these beautiful, and they're inedible, um, these beautiful little red cups that grow on lossy logs uh, in, in areas. So they're, they're fruiting at the minute. You might get something called the velvet shank, but very few, we have a lull. And so, obviously, autumn is the boom season. So, depending on when this goes out, if you really want people to act upon, if, if at all we've made a difference, uh, autumn will be the time where they can go, I'm going out now, and then get to <laughs> get to a, a, an ancient woodland, all, all those four big trees, wherever you are, birch, beech, pine and oak, birch, beech, pine and oak. 
That's the Birch way to remember beats now. Pine and oak. Bird beats pine and oak. Pine and oak. Bird beats pine and oak. Okay, I got it. And, and, and I know people who drives them mad, but I'm pleased because it means the fighting fungi. If Birch you've got those on your radar, go find a where you go. So there you and go. Too, and and it is the main reason that they kind of autumn is the main time for mushrooms. Is that because autumn is the season where things are starting to die and there's much more kind of organic matter that's dying for mushrooms to and, grow and it's and quite moist the temperature and the temperature's still warm. Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. I've never really thought very hard about it, but I, th- I think it's going to be that, that it's just optimum conditions, temperatures, moisture levels, the habitats are being created, like you say, um, which of course, because of seasonal climate change now, we've got this extended season. So something's out fruity like this should because it's just too dry in September and normally be massive. Um, so this season is extending where it used to be very specific that things would fruit because those conditions are exactly as you would imagine they would be. So it's all a bit topsy-turvy. We're finding winter species in summer. We're finding summer species in winter. And obviously, really, deep down, that's not such a great thing. So I'm never actually that thrilled when I see something when I shouldn't because I think, ah, that doesn't seem quite right. But yeah, um, autumn is brew time. Any time from uh, uh, here, the first mycorrhizal mushrooms come in around June time. Uh, but we do get some spring specialists. St. George's mushroom. Do you know those guys? No. St. George's. Mm. Um, yeah, that's in Sean. That's got that smells of cucumber or, or uh, window putty. They come in <laughs> window and, putty of all that, things. That, I think that was my impression. I've, I have asked other people. I'm not sure they're as convinced as me. Uh, yeah, a bit like um, is it is it linseed oil that people would rub? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something about that smell. I'd have to. I'd maybe should do the two side by side, and then I know if I'm right or not. I'm going off a distant memory. Uh, they say our, our memory for smell is stronger than actual our visual, don't they? Um, so yeah, and, and morels, if you've heard of morels, yeah, they're, they're coming up. So springtime is the first, it like, ah, I've had this beautiful winter, lull, which I'm very happy with. It's a little rest time for my brain. I need some shut off time. I do want to feel your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to get to see dad for a bit, uh, which is nice. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so I do other things with fungi in, in, in the downtime, but that, that, that there's a, there's a sense of, ooh. in fact, I think we're also being found. I don't know if it's Island or Northern Island, so excuse me, but one of those, they've come up already, which is very early. It's usually April time. But some have been found up your your kind of direction. Amazing. Uh, the first posts are out, so I was like, ooh, what are the temperatures? Because that's all about the, the, the ground temperature. Well, today, today it's 14 degrees here, so it's really mild. And it, like well, it, it, the last few days, it's felt like spring. And I know it's just teasing us because winter will stick its head back out. But um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that they're up at the moment. because uh, Alex, you're absolutely wonderful. I've found this conversation fascinating. And my love for mushroom has expanded exponentially. For anyone listening who kind of goes, I love the way you talk about mushrooms, Alex. Where can people find out more, kind of join one of your walks or talks or beyond Instagram, the fun... fun Fungi dot or fun dot guy. Fungi dot fun. Fungi dot fun. It's the fungi guy. So the dot fungi dot guy. Yeah, the fungi guy. Uh, yeah, so I don't do, you know, like, like, hey, look, you'll have looked at this, but I try and get a balance. You know, I sometimes feel I should be on social media more and building some kind of profile. I'm not there for the followers. I do it because I really just enjoy sharing this stuff and I do it when it pleases me and that, that makes me okay. It feels okay. Good balance. Great balance. It's hard to get, isn't it? You know, and I can look at my peers like doing more, and I think I could be this person that could exponentially. I could really grow, and I could, I should put myself there, work harder in that point. And but it's at the expense of something else, isn't it? So yeah. I try. All I try to do is get a balance because I think for me that's what I think happiness looks like. I'm still working on it, not there. So yeah, I, I'm I'm on there, but I have a bit of a lull now. I'm happy to not post. I don't feel obliged to put a certain amount out. I just do it when I'm ready. So yeah, the, uh, there on Facebook I do a little bit, but more on observer and just learning from other other groups. 
Uh, but yeah, the fungi guy on there. You can watch some YouTube. Uh, and if you look up the fungi guy on YouTube, I do beginner's guides to fungi. Uh, they're actually silly videos. I made just for my own pleasure. Uh, but it turns out... <laughs> They're funny. They're funny. You have a great sense of humor. I loved cap. I liked your saying the mushroom one. Where it's like, oh, that hurts. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to get you. A beginner's guide to the death cap. Yes, that was the first one ever made. And yeah, that's quite popular. Of course, because I went big, you know, if you type in death on the internet, people want to look at what is the most poisonous mushroom. So yeah. um, Yeah, uh, there's there's little guides and whatnot on, on YouTube. Again, I don't post on there as often as I should, whatever that means. I'd love to do more, but I'd love to do more of all sorts of things. But, you know, I'm just one man and uh, I'm already a bad husband, poor friend, rubbish, <laughs> rubbish brother. Do you know what I mean? Because fun guy does so much already. So I'm just yeah. chipping away when I, when I can. So, yeah. yeah, YouTube as well. Is it? And, and I do lead walks in the autumn time. But again, I do a certain amount for the people who, who ask me to theirs. I do just a handful for myself. And then, because again, although it's boot period, I'm trying to get a balance to make sure I still see the kids play football. Because I could, I could walk every day of autumn and talk about fun guys. So, yeah, yeah, check it out there, and maybe you can come and join me on a walk sometime. Amazing, You're brilliant. You're Thanks, brilliant. Alex. Thanks so much. Really love this conversation. You're brilliant. You really, yeah. really are. You're very, very welcome. Thank you, fellas, for finding me. It's been a real pleasure. It really has. Always, yeah. always happy to talk about fun guy. And I look forward <laughs> genuinely to exploring your content because I am fascinated. I'm still trying to work out what happiness is. <laughs> no, well, I don't think there's a, there's a human alive that understands exactly what happiness is because it can, no. you know, there's so many aspects to it and layers to it. And But I think happiness is about it, being able to enjoy the mundane. I think the more you can enjoy the mundane and the simple little things, I think the more your day is going to be littered with little pockets of And I would think, I, and my, you know, the way it changes as you get older or as you kind of, your own experience. And certainly for me, like previously say in my 20s, I would have thought happiness was about, you know, parties and hitting highs and, you know, that type of thing, jumping out of airplanes and whatever it might have been. Whereas now happiness is much more about ease and joy and pleasant. And actually within the day, how can I be more in harmony and more in flow with the day where I'm less striving and pushing and looking for things outside of myself? And more genuine yet ease myself. And that's what happiness, I think, is for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that comes, it's a classic. It sounds like middle age, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like, <laughs> it really is on my behalf. I can't speak for you. But, you know, you question like, well, what is that this all about? And like you say, those highs aren't so high on a Sunday morning when you feel awful, when you didn't when you were 21, but you do when you're 44. Um, so, yeah, like you say, those little, and I think you can only maybe, my argument would be, or certainly my perception at the moment as it stands, is you can only enjoy those little things if you take the time to notice them, which would take me back to mindfulness. That, that just stepping back, even if it's for 10 seconds in a day, just thinking, ah, I'm looking at everything. I'm not just being in it. It's not just passing over me. I'm not just doing, I'm not just being, I'm observing what I'm doing and being. And that for me is, really works. And, 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 and hey, guess what? I'm going to full circle. And that's what mushrooms can bring you because you're being completely mindful <laughs> in that moment. When you find that fungus, suddenly everything stops and you're being really caring about this element, that element, the other. And you walk away with a great big smile on your face. Cheers. <laughs> uh, uh, and another thing I don't think you mentioned in terms of fungi is to find them, you've got to spend time out in nature. And well, of course. It, and, oh, the well-being. <clears throat> and that that in and of itself is just being outside walking and being focused elsewhere, I just think is is you're bound to f- stumble. Up. You mightn't find a mushroom, but you might stumble upon happiness. My delivery beautiful. wasn't good. My delivery wasn't good, but I had the, oh, the center was like good. It. Again, I'll just I'll just write that one down. I think we'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're great, give crack. Can I give you credit for that? Yeah, that's well, it's, we know about green spaces. Yeah, so exactly, it's 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 so many things rolling into one. Of course, I will say the knock-ons. You know, I didn't care about nature till I just got into mushrooms about 10 years ago. 
uh, I was a scout, so I guess my foundations were there. My dad was a scout leader, so I, you know, I did that, and we counts as a family as a kid. But I didn't care. My wife, to her frustration, I would never go for walks with him, hikes. I'm like, it's boring. It's boring. Now all I want to do is walk, but I want to walk a lot slower than she does because I'm always looking at the floor. Poor woman can't win. But yeah, that whole, that whole, how can you come back from a time outdoors? You, you never regret a walk, do you? You, you never regret time spent like walking the dog. You never come back and think, I wish I am not bothered. You will feel, surely, you must have, I don't even know podcast on that, better for some time outdoors. And so my, I, I will be it in autumn time. Let am absolutely top buzzing. <laughs> I can't not. My wife will ring me. I'll, I'll, I'll be on the way home and I'll just get a phone call and I'll pick it up and say, which woods are you in? Because I'm late home. Like for tea, she'll just say, <laughs> which woods are you in? She knows. I'm not there. Get that out yet where you can really see where I am. Which woods? Which woods are you in? That's hilarious. <laughs> she knows, and she was right. She's only done that once, but she was right. I, I, I found a new woods on the cycle route to work. I thought, I'm just gonna bob in there tonight, and before you know it, it's not 20 minutes like I thought it'd be. It's 45 minutes because I found this, 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 and this. Well, I yeah. guess I guess it's better than which pub are you in? Well, I'd say so. This is it. I'm not a bad man, boy. In defence. It's only, you know, it's pretty clean living, this. There's not some mistress in the woods, you know what I mean? This is just, oh, these are my mistresses of the woods. These, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of, of a fungus with a female name. Oh, I can't well, think of anything. What, what do you call that one? Scarlet Elf. Was it Scarlet Elf? Scarlet Elf. Or something? Oh, yeah, how about checking those guys out? Scarlet Elf Cups. Oh, that's um, pretty yeah, sweet. They're, they're a beautiful nice thing. thing. Magical they're name. Beautiful thing. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, well, thanks, so thanks again, Alex. You really are. You're fabulous. Really enjoyed this. And, no uh, problem at all. Thank you, fellas. It's been an absolute delight. I hope I'll pass across again. And yeah, I'll be, please, I'll be God, I'd love about. that. Yeah, likewise. Great Thanks, God. Alex. We'll let you know Thanks we're putting again. this out. Thanks, so much. See you later, yeah. guys. Cheers, Mind Alex. yourself. Bye-bye. 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 Cheers. I absolutely love that. I love when you meet someone that is so passionate about something that just is contagious. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was contagious, and I guess his zest for life was really, really palpable and is inspiring. I guess no matter who, finding anyone that's super passionate about a niche really just inspires you and makes you more and brings you into it. And I guess he's like a doorway that just brings you into this world of fungi. So I hope from this you feel more inspired or more curious when you go for a walk in the woods to keep your eyes peeled. And What was the expression? No fungi, no forest, no... No future. Wow. Yeah, so I, I guess that was really interesting just how ent entangled life is. All of life tends to be and fungi tends to be at the root and in the weeds and in the floor. And, and in the microrhizal. Yeah, and in entwined with every aspect of life. So I guess fungi, it's a wonderful thing to learn more about. And as he said, it's as important as oxygen, which sounds crazy, um, but is true from many scientific things, which um, I believe. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this and it sparks your curiosity. Um, his uh, Ali's handle is the fungi guy. You'll find him on Instagram and YouTube, as he said. And uh, yeah, thanks, Mel, for your attention. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we, at the end there, we talked about happiness. It'd be very interesting to get your take on happiness. What are your takes on happiness? If you've got any particularly interesting, tag us on Instagram and we'll reshare it or send it to podcast at thehappypair.ie. Thanks a million. Wishing you a great day. Bye. Bye, 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 b